one day woke up and said, you know what, uh, I want to explore the issue of, of marijuana legalization. And, and I never talked about it when I was in politics, never really talked about it. Uh, mm. And uh, so I, I wrote that we should legalize marijuana. Well, the uh, agriculture commissioner of Kentucky, a guy named Jamie Comer, um, saw that and said, Jonathan, we're trying to legalize hemp in Kentucky. Can you help us? And um, I didn't know the difference between hemp and marijuana, but uh, I said, sure, why not? I did the research, really discovered. Um... Hey guys, it's Mandy with Global Hemp Association. I wanted to say thank you so much for joining. I'm excited about the opportunity to build a relationship and connect this supply chain. I mean, after all, that's why we started the association. Our association was built on the foundation of connecting supply chain, building relationships, and helping you grow your business. Anyone from farmers, manufacturers, and distributors, people that are passionate about the supply chain, and those creating products selling into biofuels, plastics, textiles, construction, and building materials. Hello, everyone. Welcome. I'm really excited about our guest today. I'm in a new background, a new audience, but I got to show you this cool room. This is in my parents' living room. Um, but I'm here with Jonathan Miller today. The um, Jonathan, I'll let you give you a real quick intro about kind of how you got into this. What is your current role? Where do you see things going? Um, and then we'll kind of dive into some of the ins and outs of what you're specifically working on. But thank you very much for joining me. No, it's great to be with you. Um, so I'm a recovering politician. I was the state treasurer of Kentucky for two terms. I ran for governor and uh, the people of Kentucky overwhelmingly decided that I should be in the private sector. So I've uh, been practicing law for about uh, 11 years now. Um, about uh, eight or nine years ago, I, um, I, I just had a, a thought that I was going to write an article about um, about cannabis reform. I, I'd been writing uh, for magazines like the Daily Beast and uh, the Huffington Post. And uh, uh, and uh, I just one day woke up and said, you know what, uh, I want to explore the issue of, of marijuana legalization. And, and I had never talked about it when I was in politics, never really took a position. Mm. Uh, and uh, so I, I wrote that we should legalize marijuana. Well, the uh, agriculture commissioner of Kentucky, a guy named Jamie Comer, um, saw that and said, Jonathan, we're trying to legalize hemp in Kentucky. Can you help us? And um, I didn't know the difference between hemp and marijuana, but uh, I said, sure, why not? Uh, I did the research, really discovered um, all of the different applications for it and got, got pretty excited uh, about it. And uh, we were able to get a bill passed in Kentucky to legalize hemp. Uh, <coughs> excuse me. Mm. Our senior senator, uh, Mitch McConnell, took notice. Uh, and uh, we uh, started to work with him on uh, what ultimately became the 2014 Farm Bill, which created the pilot programs um, that um, um, uh, allowed for hemp to be grown in the country for the first time in, in uh, nearly a century. Uh, and um, about that time, we realized we needed to have a, an organization to, to uh, provide uh, advocacy on behalf of this new industry. And so we created what ultimately became the U.S. Hemp Roundtable. It started off with four guys, and they were guys from Kentucky in my basement. Um, yeah. uh, and uh, we had a $20,000 budget. Uh, uh, we now have grown to uh, uh, over 100 different uh, companies and organizations, very diverse. Um, our Half of our board is uh, uh, either um, uh, female or, or a person of color. Um, we have um, um, a... Um, uh, almost a $2 million budget. 
uh, and uh, we are, are deeply engaged in all the activities of, of the organization. Our biggest uh, accomplishment uh, was the 2018 Farm Bill, which uh, again, working with Senator McConnell and folks like Senator Wyden and, and others um, uh, provided for um, complete legalization of, of hemp. And now we're focused uh, both on efforts on the state level, but uh, on the federal level, really trying to deal with uh, the issue of uh, CBD and other hemp extracts. The FDA's um, uh, opposition to them has uh, caused great uh, harm to the industry, and uh, we're, we are um, promoting legislation which would uh, provide for a clear legal pathway for the sale of CBD and and uh, and uh, also a bunch of sustainability work we're doing on the fiber side. But I'll <laughs> I'll stop there and, and let you uh, see what you'd like me to talk about. Okay, so I'm actually curious about what it looks like and what the differences are or the challenges. <laughs> You know, what the different challenges are between the fiber and the CBD industry. And then I'd love to hear what specific changes you're working on within that CBD industry, without, within the vertical, I guess. So with, with CBD, we are really focused uh, both at the state and federal level of trying to get regulatory clarity so mm -hmm. that um, um, the cloud is lifted that uh, on, uh, on product sales so that uh, big box stores will, will start to, to carry these products so that uh, big food companies will add uh, CBD to their peanut butter and, and cola and, and uh, mm -hmm. candy bars. And um, uh, our, our number one objective is on the federal level where we have a bill, uh, two bills, uh, one in the House, one in the Senate, but uh, the one that's really moving is in the House. It's uh, H.R. 841. It would uh, create a legal pathway for the sale of CBD as a dietary supplement and, and regulate it as a dietary supplement. We have 33 co-sponsors, uh, 21 Democrats and 12 Republicans. And for those of you that follow politics, they you know that that's very rare to have that kind of bipartisanship. But it just demonstrates the the, the uh, power of the issue. And uh, uh, we're, we're, we're told we're going to have a hearing in the next few weeks uh, before the House Energy and Commerce Committee. And so we're hopeful to see some movement on the bill um, either at the end awesome. of this year or beginning of next year. That's impressive. I, yeah, just listening and being involved in all of the conversations this year, that's been the number one request is regulation around the CBD verticals and, and industry themselves. Okay. So talk to me a little bit about Delta eight. What's your guys' position or where do you suppose this, this market is going? And I just want to touch on this because it's a very small piece of what we usually talk about, but it's definitely a hot topic. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really created a big challenge for the industry. Um, I, I can sympathize with, um, Farmers who've been struggling because of the lack of regulatory clarity on CBD, they've got their biomass that they can't uh, sell uh, until we get the FDA behind us. And they found this uh, um, route um, to uh, uh, convert uh, CBD into Delta-8. We don't have anything against Delta-8 per se. It is uh, one of the many cannabinoids uh, that uh, may have some beneficial use. Um, but uh, we have a real challenge with products uh, that are intoxicating and potentially uh, um, uh, dangerous being marketed as, as hemp. And so our position is that um, uh, we need two different lanes. One, uh, a hemp lane, which would be for non-intoxicating products, could be sold as dietary supplements and food and beverage additives. And the other intoxicating lane, which would include marijuana and Delta-8 and Delta-10 and, you know, you name it, um, that uh, would only be sold to adults, would have a particular safety uh, standards and uh, would be regulated uh, as an intoxicating compound, not as a dietary supplement. So um, we've seen states already move in this direction. Uh, New York, Oregon, Michigan, and now California 
Uh, I think we're going to see a lot of more states do it. But but again, we've got to get some more clarity and consistency at the federal level. And that's what uh, we'll be working on. Awesome. I was just going to ask you that next question is what states are really leading the charge in this? Um, you named a couple outside of just the D8. You know, who who's really taking charge or who who should we be paying attention to as a structure and a solid structure for this? Well, California is the, the state of the arts, the most recent one. Uh, we were really excited to see AB 45 pass there a few weeks ago. And uh, for three and a half years, there had been um, um, uh, threats and sometimes actions taken against uh, sales of CBD, uh, both ingestible and in topical form. And so we finally, the era of prohibition in California is over. We're, we're, uh, now it is completely legal. And there is a regulatory regime that will be uh, uh, developed. Uh, we've got a lot of work to do on that in California, but are looking forward to working with the agency to make that happen. Uh, Michigan's got a really good uh, law that just uh, came into play uh, um, a couple months ago. And some of the more established programs, uh, uh, Kentucky, Florida, New York, Colorado, uh, Texas, um, these are all states that uh, have been doing this for what we would consider a long time, which is just two or three years in, 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 uh, in the hemp space. But uh, um, the, 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 that's the good news that so many states are moving this direction. The bad news is that every state's got a different regime. And so it's causing confusion for customers. Uh, uh, when every state has a different label requirement, then just think about what it's like to be a company trying to sell products in different states. You got a tiny label to begin with and having to put all the different state labels on, on a product are, are really uh, difficult. So that's, again, another reason why we need to get 841 passed in, in the House to get the FDA to provide some some uh, some overall. consistency. Yeah. yeah, insight overall, right? I was just in actually a shop the other day speaking about this and just the inconsistency from state to state on what just the knowledge and the people behind the counter selling the product. And it's, I think, until that overall regulatory uh, statute changes or uh, opportunity changes, we definitely can't expect it to change down for our our consumers. And that's where it gets a little bit tricky is what do they know and what are they, where do they go to get it? So talk to me about some of the initiatives, you know, and growth of the U.S. Hemp Roundtable. Um, where do you guys see yourself really heading? Obviously on the regulatory side that you just mentioned, but how do people get involved and what are people within the organization working on? Well, you know, in addition to um, all this work uh, at the state level and, and on CBD at the federal level, we, um, we've we uh, really started to uh, plan our flag in the ground about uh, uh, sustainability. Um, this is a, a huge priority of the Biden administration and uh, agricultural sustainability is something that has become a real focus bipartisan in, in Congress. Um, the great thing about hemp is that, <clears throat> excuse me, um, it uh, it helps remediate the soil. It loses it uses a whole lot less water than other similar crops. And hemp products are <clears throat> biodegradable um, and uh, don't uh, you know clog up landfills. And so we believe that hemp really fits into uh, the Biden administration's and con Congress's efforts to promote uh, agricultural sustainability. And so we are uh, now working on some efforts to uh, uh, try to uh, develop. Uh, the infrastructure of a of a uh, of a of a sustainable hemp uh, fiber industry, and uh, you know, we'll look forward to you know uh, making those uh, progress, making those announcements in, in the um, in the weeks and months ahead. Um, the um, uh, another big initiative of ours is uh, our focus on minority empowerment. Uh, this um, 
the hemp industry, uh, the, the overall cannabis industry has a very sorry history when it, um, uh, we're talking about people of color. Uh, most people know on the marijuana side that a disproportionate, uh, a hugely disproportionate number of, of arrests and enforcement actions have been taken against people of color um, for marijuana use. Um, on the hemp side, it's got a bad story as well. I, where I'm in, in Kentucky, uh, the history of hemp uh, is one that uh, was um, managed by uh, enslaved Americans. And, and uh, uh, people uh, argue that uh, the reason why we had slavery in Kentucky was because of hemp. And so we want to uh, redress that, but we also want to empower uh, farmers of color and, and minority-owned businesses, and, and so we have uh, really been engaged closely with the Minority Cannabis Business uh, uh, Council and, and other groups uh, to uh, promote efforts to uh, uh, provide for empowerment and, and uh, for um, um, uh, racial justice and equity. Awesome, awesome, awesome. I I was taken back, and of course, this is just something that's come to my. I don't know if I want to call myself naive or undereducated, but I was just very underwear at the history of the cannabis and the minority, right? And the link to even the Marijuana Tax Act, right? Um, so where do you see this really being opportunity and what what role will you guys have? And, and maybe, maybe you've already answered this, but in that actual development, you know, how do we bring more minority farmers in well, from the top down? What does that look like? Yeah. So, um, we, um, uh, we've got a lot of, of uh, remediation to do. One, one thing that we would like to change is um, uh, there is uh, right now from the 2018 Farm Bill, a uh, ban on convicted felons uh, um, mm -hmm. from uh, growing hemp. And again, a disproportionate number of folks that have been arrested uh, for in the war on drugs have been people of color. And so that's something that we, uh, we'd like to see repealed. Uh, we supported uh, very strongly a congressional effort to invest uh, $4 billion uh, into farmers of color uh, at the USDA, mm -hmm. and, and that is now being um, um, awesome. uh, com continued to uh, expanded, and, and those dollars are, are getting out. Uh, uh, but one thing we're looking at specifically as well, and we'll be developing a plan, is we'd like to make um, – uh, some of our um, HBCUs, historically black colleges and universities, to be centers of excellence for, for hemp. And, and this is uh, legislation that we're going to be uh, supporting in, in the coming uh, coming weeks as well. So it's just we're looking for creative ideas. And if any of your uh, viewers have them, um, this is just a, a big priority of ours and something that we, um, we yeah. want to model and, and encourage the industry to, to engage in. I'd love to have a conversation with you about this further. This is something that comes up. A lot of our members talk about ways that they can get more minority farmers involved on smaller scale. And I, I really believe hemp is that opportunity to get them back into farming and still consider some profitability without having to you know, own or go out and purchase a, a massive amount of land. Um, and so on the big ag side, this is really a great stepping stone into or to get them back into the industry. Um, so I'm really excited about that as well. So tell me a little bit about um, what other topics, Jonathan, what else are we working on? What else should we talk about here? Sustainability, sustainability is a huge one in the Biden Act. Talk to me about um, funds or ways maybe that people can get engaged and take get access to some of the USDA funds you mentioned. 
Well, so there are already a lot of uh, USDA funds that are made available, but there could be considerably more. Um, if okay. uh, the uh, if the, uh, the you, your viewers are probably following at least, if not too closely, at least from a distance, what's uh, the debate going on in Congress about uh, the infrastructure bill and the uh, reconciliation bill? Well, the reconciliation bill, um, which could be anywhere from two to three trillion dollars, is going to have billions more dollars that it's going to be dedicated to uh, agricultural sustainability, and so. Uh, our goal right now is to try to develop uh, a good set of standards and practices for uh, hemp fiber. Uh, there needs to be consistency. Uh, we need to make sure there's no greenwashing. Uh, that is the the uh, uh, that's when companies say they're being sustainability, they're being sustainable, but they really aren't. So we need to have um, objective. Uh, ways of, of judging that, but uh, we, we've we been engaged in a lot of meetings with uh, the USDA, uh, with uh, rural development at USDA, and, and with the White House, with um, um, uh, folks in the um, uh, climate uh, uh, area in, in uh, the White House. So this is something that's ongoing, uh, and uh, you know we, we don't have anything uh, uh, to report yet, uh, but there's a lot of work to do, but we're, we're really focused on it. It feels really good to hear you say how well-connected hemp is to some of these global concerns, right? The sustainability and the climate change are, it's impressive to just be, I guess, reassured that hemp is at the forefront of these conversations. It's not just hemp or what we smoke or even the medicine side. It is an opportunity on rural and economic development, climate change and minority minority farming, you know, manufacturing, supply chain, all of it. where that's why I. That's why I got into this. I when I when I started, I didn't know what CBD meant. I mean, right. I, I don't think most people did. I was really excited by what I had heard about the applications for for um, uh, biofuels and for biodegradable plastics. I, I I started off. I cut my teeth in politics, working for Al Gore, way back in 1988 when he ran for president the first time, and then I was at the U.S. Department of Energy uh, under the Clinton Gore administration and and uh, worked on clean energy and, and climate remediation back then. And uh, and so that, that, that to me is uh, coming back to this uh, for hemp is, is, you know, really the reason why I started. That's awesome. I love that you're in the airport. <laughs> Sorry about that. Wear your mask. Uh, so I, yeah, and I think that that's just it. When people ask me, well, if hemp is so great, then why isn't it legal? You know, why don't we see it everywhere? I think you just outlined some of the major pain points. Where do you think banking is going to go? How much longer before banking is going to open up? Well, you know, it, it, the, the, the challenge right now is that uh, there should be nothing stopping any bank or business from engaging with hemp. Uh, uh, the 2018 Farm Bill should have eliminated all of those concerns. The, the problem is there's, there is still such ignorance out there in terms of the differences between uh, hemp and marijuana. And, and uh, there are folks also on the CBD side concerned about what the FDA has had to say. So we were able to get language inserted into the Safe Banking Act, which uh, many of uh, your viewers know is the uh, bill to uh, overall legalize um, um cannabis banking, but we were able to get a special language to provide for uh, a safe harbor for, for both hemp and CBD products to ensure that uh, not only can farmers and businesses access banking, which has become better and better, but uh, they'd also explicitly be able to get merchant services like credit cards, which has been the real challenge. There are few and far between uh, companies that, that offer those and, and their higher fees and uh, uh, hopefully Safe Banking Act uh, will pass. We had uh, 
uh, Congressman uh, Ed Perlmutter, who leads on this in the House at our board meeting a few weeks ago, as well as uh, Congressman Andy Barr, who uh, uh, led to get the uh, hemp language into the uh, the, the bill, and uh, they are both optimistic that we're going to see some movement on that this year. I love it. Well, I've got to get a shout out real quick to Jamie Campbell. I see you're on here in the Midwest Hemp Council. She says, hello. And then somebody else just said, what about Cash App and Venmo? And I, those are perfect examples. My PayPal, Venmo, everything is shut down because my email mm. says hemp in it. And I don't even touch product. And so understanding that you know, we get a lot of people that want to get into the industry or people that are skeptical about the industry that doubt what we're doing because we don't have these other common ways to transfer money. Right. And it really is like you just said, uh, the lack of education got to get education out to some of these. Yeah. I, you know, we, we, the U S hemp round table is a nonprofit organization that doesn't do anything that could be even remotely considered illegal or controversial, but, uh, mm-hmm. we've had challenges putting ads up on Facebook and, oh, yeah. um, and, and uh, we've got uh, connections uh, through face, to Facebook that uh, when we have a problem, we can connect with them and they help fix this. But you know, your average ordinary business does not have that uh, kind of capability. And so, uh, again, we've uh, so much of this is education and uh, we've made so much progress the last eight years, but um, mm-hmm. uh, still a ways to go. I, I joke that uh, I went to the courthouse a few years ago and changed my name from Jonathan Miller to Jonathan Hemp is not marijuana Miller. <laughs> Because I tell somebody that every day, I have to. Um, and uh, it, uh, those of us in the industry for a while kind of take for granted that we know the difference between hemp and marijuana, but uh, still a lot that don't. And um, and I, I, you know, marijuana is going to be legal. Um, uh, adult use cannabis will be legalized federally in all fifty states at some point. It's just a matter of time. Um, mm-hmm. um, but until that happens, it's really important for us to to be able to make the arguments that uh, you know how clearly different the the, uh, the products are. Okay, so if you could give any advice to the industry, right? Because I feel like we're poking the bear on a couple of things. What advice would you have that's going to help us overall to progress the industry, right? Understanding, and you said it, like the influx of CBD product or distillate that was out there that was then able to be used as a Delta 8 product, right? Is a good example of... Yeah. Where should we be paying attention? What's your advice? These my, my number one advice is to get in touch with your elected officials, mm-hmm. um, your state legislators, your governors, your attorney generals, your agriculture commissioners, and then your, your members of Congress. Um, believe it or not, there's a lot of cynicism about politics these days, but politicians care very deeply what their constituents say. I, I'm, a, I'm a recovering politician. It really mattered to me that um, to be responsive to folks, um, if only for selfish reasons, because I want them to reelect me. And so um, you've got uh, a great opportunity here. Now, COVID has made it more difficult for folks to have those one-on-one meetings, um, but it's actually made it a lot easier to have uh, virtual meetings. Uh, uh, Members of Congress have a lot more time on their hands, and and certainly state officials do, to get on a Zoom or get on a phone call with you. And so it is just so important that that, uh, um, we, we do at the USF Roundtable, we've got your back at the federal level. We've got, you know, we're on the ground. I'm on Capitol Hill. Uh, we have uh, lobbyists in, in, in major states, and we're we're talking directly with uh, members of Congress and their staffs. But it's more important that you do, because, again, I'm I'm uh, when I'm uh, talking to a, 
uh, congressman from from Virginia. He cares less what I say and more what uh, someone who lives in his district says. So it, it is so important for you to do that. And we've created a way for you to do this really easily on our website. So our website is hempsupporter.com. If you go to hempsupporter.com, just type in your your name, your email, and your zip code. And zip code identifies who your who your legislators are. We have it so that you can easily write letters uh, of support on various uh, issues directly to your elected officials, even if you don't know who they are. Um, yeah. our, our, our program is able to figure that out, prepare a message for you. We ask you to personalize it because we don't want them to just get some canned letter. We want them to hear uh, your personal story. But really do encourage you at a very minimum to go to hempsupporter.com, send those emails to your members of Congress, to your state officials, and then to take that next step and, and go meet with them. Um, you know, you mentioned Jamie Campbell. Yeah. Um, earlier, I don't know if she's still on, but Indiana is a great example of of uh, how uh, folks have really engaged at the legislative level. We we won our first uh, one of our first state battles at um, at uh, in Indiana on CBD because of people like Jamie uh, Justin Swanson is with her organization as well. They went in and they met with you know dozens of, of members of that legislature, uh, convinced them that uh, they weren't legalizing marijuana, and uh, we were able to get. Uh, uh, a, a state-of-the-art uh, uh, bill. Indiana is the first state in the country to require QR codes uh, with all the details of the products. And, and now, uh, you know, dozens of states do that. And that's all because of grassroots leaders like uh, Jamie and Justin. And uh, and we encourage everyone to uh, uh, take those steps to uh, to make those connections. They've done a great job, a very good job. And there was another question that just came in about investment. And I have to make a comment. I hosted an event yesterday and more than 50% of the people at the event checked that they're looking for investment capital, right? So there's there's a question on here, Daryl asked about initiatives being used or initiatives being done to bring investors into the space and understanding that a lot of the investment is holding back due to this CBD boom and bust, right? So what do you think is going on or what do you see really moving to bring investment capital? Yeah. You know, when the 2018 Farm Bill passed in December of 18, there was a flood of investment that came into the space. Then the FDA started to ramp up its public commentary um, and uh, it dried up and um, COVID, then COVID hit. And it was 2020 was a really rough year. Um, and uh, But we're coming out of it. Uh, we're starting to hear that uh, um, a lot of the investment folks are have just given up on the FDA and, and realize the FDA isn't going to be going after these companies, um, um, and uh, so uh, they're they're more um, they're more interested uh, in in getting engaged. I I tell investment folks, you know, it's only a matter of time before we get this done. So it it uh, it's to your advantage to invest now. I mean, you're you're buying low basically, and and uh, we know that the 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 value of these. Uh, companies are going to go um, uh, much higher once we get this regulatory certainty. Um, but but again, I you know go back to my, my great pitch. Um, the best thing you can do to make sure that investment comes to space is to help us get this legislation passed, particularly HR 841 in the, in the House, because if we can get the FDA to, to regulate these products, uh, Katie, bar the door. I mean, we're going to have tremendous, tremendous growth, and there's going to be a whole lot of money that's been sitting on the sidelines ready to start pouring into this industry. Yes. Well, and we're starting to see that, you know, when we were over at She and we listened to a couple of the, the investment groups come in and speak, that was their exact, exact advice. It's, why wouldn't you be getting into this right now? 
This is buying low and an opportunity. Um, but there's still a lot of reservation that it's not going to take off, right? What about the, Neil had a really good question on here about confusion over the, over the seed Sorry, there was a new comment that just came in and closed it up or hit it. Confusion over the seed and hemp fiber. Do you think that that will really continue? Or do you think that we're well, going to see less uh, and less? You know, the, the, the thing is, uh, the, the challenge for seed and fiber, there's two big challenges. One is, again, people don't know the difference. Uh, and, and they hear that CBD is illegal or, and uh, they, they don't realize that, uh, first of all, CBD isn't illegal. It's just what the FDA says. But second, that doesn't apply to seed or fiber. So it shouldn't uh, affect them at all. But the, the real challenge with seed and fiber is is uh, the infrastructure. We have got to uh, invest a, a whole lot more money into uh, processing and other infrastructure. We first have to develop the, the standards to um, make this all possible. And so it is a multi-step process, but it's something, that, again, that we're working on uh, very diligently with the USDA and with the White House and uh, are really hopeful that we'll be able to start laying the groundwork for a, a, a prosperous fiber and seed industry. And understanding each value chain, you know, there's this said, what, 20 or 50,000 products that can be made. And I've had a number of people that are processing or have product this year and said, well, I went into it thinking that fiber was going to be my core product and really the herd is or the micronized dust is, right? And so then figuring out what does that supply chain look like based on where you're at. And I think that that will definitely determine a lot of standards also. Um yeah. So there's what here's a really good question that just came in. Um, do you think that U.S. policies around hemp and cannabis in general affect the global p political perspectives? Yeah. You know, the U.S. is, um, you know, we're the, the, the greatest superpower on Earth. We're the largest economy. And, um, you know, the, the folks in Europe um, are uh, which in Asia are going to look real closely as to what happens here. Um, I, I know we've had uh, folks lobby us from uh, European hemp organizations to yeah. make sure that uh, um, uh, U.S. law doesn't get uh, too uh, um, too uh, uh, far from what uh, they're they've been working on. Again, Europe's been uh, decades ahead of us here. Um, yeah. Um, so um, yeah, no, there's no doubt that what happens in the U.S. matters. I mean, I I also you know to make a, another point, what happened in California really matters for the rest of the country. I mean, California is. Not only the largest state, it's the fifth largest economy in the world. And, and so getting AB 45 passed was not only good for farmers and businesses in California, but it uh, it's really been a boost uh, nationally because, it, uh, it you know, everybody wants to sell products in California because that's where the most people are. <laughs> and, yeah. that's where the, and, you know, and, and Florida's got this vibrant wellness industry already. So, uh, you know, California matters to the U.S., U.S. matters to the world. And, and uh, so what we're doing every day has bigger bigger uh, impacts. Well, I'll tell you, I think supply chain, just that pressure of supply chain has opened so many conversations to bring the manufacturing to the United States and focus, especially in the construction industry, as wood prices, prices went through the roof. Um, where do you think, or where do you think, I should say, where do you think focus is, is right now on global or international trade, especially for some of the companies that you're working with that really are not just U.S. companies? Right. Yeah, you know it. Um, you know the, the focus for global trade that I'm I, I'm dealing with is is on the CBD and, and hemp extract right. side. It's trying to sell um, products into uh, other countries. Uh, the fiber will come and will be very important. But again, uh, until we uh, really take more advances on on the technology and the infrastructure, then uh, it's uh, it, 
it's going to it's going to be slower. But uh, once we get that, you know, I mean, that to me is, you know, we're going to be selling um, uh, cars with hemp paneling and, and uh, um, hemp construction materials and, and, and you name it all over the world. And uh, that to me, again, is exciting from an economic standpoint, but also an environmental one. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I, I firmly believe it's going to take groups and initiatives from these nonprofits like Jamie's or the Global Hemp Association or some of these others that are really con- creating a bigger consumer demand, which is creating this you know, demand for international trade and and going back to the capital that comes into the industry. Right. If everybody wants it, it's really easy for an investor to say, OK, we're in. So it makes it, yeah, it makes it great. Uh, somebody just had a really good question on here, and I think you maybe answered it earlier, but the HR 841 is in the health, health subcommittee review. When will it come for vote as we are going to, or as we're coming to the final? All right. So it, it, it is currently within the, the health subcommittee of the House Energy and Commerce Committee. Uh, and uh, the uh, either the subcommittee or probably more likely the full committee is going to be holding a hearing on that sometime this fall. Um, after the hearing, uh, there's a process called markup, which uh, um, there will be amendments to the bill and there'll be negotiations. Uh, uh, the FDA will get engaged and, and uh, the industry will be engaged. And, uh, you know, we do not expect um, any bill to go through regular order. And, and if you've seen this, the uh, if you remember Schoolhouse Rock, uh, I'm only a bill and going from committees to the floor and to the president's desk, that, that's not going to happen. Um, what will happen is we'll get something that uh, there is bipartisan agreement on, and we will find a way to attach it to uh, a, a major piece of legislation that must pass. So this is what happened with um, you know, what we call the farm bill. We had hemp legalization that would not have passed on its own, but Mitch McConnell got it attached to the farm bill. So we're going to try to put together the CBD legislation, get it all um, supported and then find some must pass bill by the end of this year or beginning of next year, attach it, attach it there. And, and then, and that will go to the president's desk for a signature. Okay. Um, that's, that's great knowledge. Um, Bill, Bill has a great question. You mentioned biofuels. Are you aware of projects and development for build back better funding for R and D? I don't know. I mean, this is a, this is why I got engaged in the space. I read some articles about it, and uh, to date, I haven't seen uh, any progress, uh, at least not in the U.S. And and I am um, I would love to see that. And if folks have some um, applications, there will certainly be dollars that will be available for that. So if anybody uh, is working on these issues and and uh, or wants to be, let us know because it's something I'm personally invested in, but um, haven't haven't seen any. Uh, haven't seen any progress in the area yet. Okay, we'd love to chat. I can't believe the energy sector that has uh, opened up or connected with us really, you know, I used to think textiles or even construction and building materials and more and more the biofuels, biodiesels, the energy, biochar are yeah, leading the charge on an international uh, recognition for uh, I, value, I guess. It's pretty... Pretty cool. Okay, so uh, rural and economic development. Where do you see real opportunities across the U.S. to expand the markets? Well, the the um, the biggest agency uh, with funding that's applicable at the USDA is rural development. Um, mm-hmm. There are literally billions of dollars that they have to allocate, and, and with a real focus on on sustainability. And uh, it, it, they're looking for for projects to get behind, and so. 
Um, it's, uh, it's great to have a hemp sustainability project. It's even better to have one that's in a rural area um, that is uh, um, particularly economically challenged. And so if you've got those opportunities, uh, you know, the best place to go is to your local rural development uh, in your state, uh, USDA Rural Development Agency, and, uh, um, and, and seek that kind of funding or go to your agriculture commissioner at the, at the state level, the state capital, and uh, um, but that's that's where the real money is, and and uh, you know we're we're hoping to see more of that if uh, these other bills pass. That's excellent. Um, I Chris has a question on here. He's in transportation. Are you seeing any complications or needs to be addressed on the transportation side, especially as we're getting into you know big volumes with big agriculture? I mean, this used to be one of the great problems where you would see a a truckload of hemp being pulled over and people arrested for marijuana transporting. Um, we're seeing a whole lot less of that. Um, and Congress made clear that uh, uh, hemp is protected through interstate commerce. Um, but, um, you know, every now and then it pops up again because of ignorance. And, and ultimately, uh, there's technology being worked out that will allow for field testing of, uh, of, uh, of THC. And once that's all finalized, then this problem will go away. But until then, you know, uh, make sure when you're transporting your, your, uh, your crops or, or or your biomass to have the the uh, the certification from the state that uh, allows you to uh, to uh, grow it and to transport it and and uh, show it to the police officer whoever is pulling you over because uh, that's the easiest way to make sure that you're not going to get any trouble. What are some of the key organizations that you suggest building relationships with with to support? the industry in whole, but more around, you know, outside industry, like the sustainability or the biofuels or plastics. And every time I meet with anybody in the uh, fossil fuels, it's a hard conversation. So I'm curious from you, you know, what, where do we go to really penetrate those markets to gain support from existing industries? Well, we, re- we really are starting off with the major farm organizations. And, and that's the the uh, National Farmers Union, the, uh, the the Farm Bureau, American Farm Bureau, and uh, the uh, National Association of State Departments of Agriculture, and, mm-hmm. and they really, um, really kind of identifying ourselves with um, with uh, the the farm side of, of these activities is really important as we move forward. Um, but you know, I can see a, a lot uh, of coordination as this industry develops with folks like, uh, you know, the auto manufacturing industry, the, the building material industry and, and construction. And uh, I mean, that's, that's, again, once we get to the fiber side and the infrastructure is there, there's going to be extraordinary opportunities to collaborate and to, to really come up with innovative uh, partnerships. Uh, it's exciting. I'm, we're hitting the pavement, not just me, but everybody on our team and anybody that attends our meetings or part of our group is always hitting the pavements to build those relationships. And I'm always looking for outside industry leaders. And the national, did you say the national ag department? What's the name of their, it's NASDA, right? Right. NASDA is the national um, agriculture. Uh, okay, now I've lost it. National the State Departments of Agriculture. National Association of State Departments of Agriculture. So these are the uh, elected and appointed officials in, in every state. Uh, and um, I just spoke to their convention uh, a few yeah. uh, weeks ago, and, and um, mm-hmm. uh, they really are committed to uh, to the development of this industry, and, and uh, are you know in a very powerful position to make things happen. They've been a great supporter for us. It's been fabulous. We actually just met with I met with one of their teammates. Yes, 
yesterday, day before yesterday. So it was great. Um, okay. Well, I really, really appreciate your time. There's quite a few people still watching. Are there any questions? Please let us know that you're on. Say hello. Um, I see upwards of 20, 20 people from my view. And I know that I can't see anybody that's on some of the other channels. And so if there are questions, feel free to chime in. Do you have anything else, any advice that you have? And well, let me let me give one more um, organization please. that's important. That's the U.S. Hemp Authority. Um, yes. This is a, a, an independent organization that promotes uh, self-regulation of the industry. So it promotes uh, best practices, high standards, and self-regulation. And and uh, there are there's a third-party auditing firm, uh, Food Chain ID, which has been uh, deeply involved in the organic space, or, or I'm sorry, the non-GMO space for 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 years. Um, that um, if uh, you uh, you go through and pass um, a very detailed set of uh, standards and practices that have been devised and revised and revised by uh, uh, industry experts for the last three years. Uh, and you meet the, those standards through an independent audit, you're able to put a, a seal of certification on your product that indicates uh, to customers that they're trustworthy and in, indicates to law enforcement that they're they're legal. And um, uh, this, uh, we've we've got uh, several hundred products that have been certified this way, and, and um, encourage um, uh, if you are a seller of products uh, to to get that seal because right now, particularly without the FDA's engagement, they're a lot of confusion on the marketplace in terms of what products are real and what ones actually have what they say they have in them. And having the U.S. Hemp Authority seal on your products is, is quite valuable. And to learn more about that, our website is ushempauthority.org. Um, .org, right? Yeah. Okay. I just shared that on there. Well, and I'll be honest, without the regulations, it's very hard for me. You know, we spend a lot of time advocating and promoting. And I talk to my family all the time about the benefits, especially as my grandparents are older, you know, the benefits to CBD. And then they'll say, well, we bought one at Walmart and it didn't work. Or nice. we bought one at this place and it didn't work. And so that's really hard because here I've worked really hard to build trust. And then they went out and they're like, yeah, we don't trust you anymore. Right. And so um, I really like that then we can refer businesses to an organization like yours that has a list of certified or, or products that have been through certification. And so that's great. Um, awesome. Awesome. Well, uh, Shane, hello. Thank you very much for joining. And thanks, everybody else for joining. Chris, Bill, Kayla. Uh, there were lots of you that joined today. Daryl, I really appreciate it. Um, I'll let you go, Jonathan, since you're flying out here pretty soon. And I'm going to go visit my grandma, spend some more time with her. Um, in fact, my phone was just ringing. Of course, now every time it does, it makes me anxious. And so <sighs> I'm going to take off here. But I really, really appreciate it. I'd love to continue conversation and see where Global Hemp Association can really help and support. Um, we're getting ready to launch a big consumer demand initiative and would love to collaborate with you on making sure we're buttoning up our messaging and what that looks like. And so we're working side by side instead of doing the same thing. Um, but if there's anything else we can do, please don't hesitate to reach out and uh, everybody else, same thing. If, if you have anything else, please don't hesitate to connect on globalhempassociation.org or Hemp Hallway. And Jonathan, I'd actually like to show you our Hemp Hallway sometime. Um, we've built a little, like a LinkedIn basically for the industry and it's mapped out where processors are and who's who, what they're doing across the globe. And you can filter it down by topics or industry, uh, past events and so forth. So we'll, I'll share it and send it over to you. Other than that, you thank you very, very much for joining and thanks everybody else. We will see you next week um, on Tuesday for our next interview. Okay. Thanks, Mandy. Thank you very much, Jonathan. Have a good day.